this new breed of design subscriptions that are popping up all over the place. Uh, I actually spent yesterday, or two days ago, in London here, a whole day with Ross Perry, uh, who who started Design Pickle, uh, probably one of the biggest uh, all-you-can-eat design buffets in in the world at the moment. And um, the way that a lot of us are doing it in that industry is making sure we nail the brief from the clients up front. So the magic is in the brief. Um, if a client sends us, on the on, as part of the onboarding process, we very much teach the client how to send us their instructions. And the easiest way of doing that to, 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 to standardize it is to have a design request form. So we have a request form which covers pretty much all the bases that we as designers will need, or my designers will need to know in order to get something started. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. My feature guest this week is an ex-WP Elevation member. He is what we call alumni. He's been through our program and graduated. This is the third time we've tried to record this episode. He's been very understanding and supportive. We finally made it happen and it is worth the wait. His name is Suraj Soda. He has two recurring revenue business models. One is called WP Maintain. Uh, you can find that at wpmaintain.co.uk. And Design Hero, which is basically an all-you-can-eat design buffet for a flat monthly fee. You can find that at designhero.uk. Um, he has found a niche in the market. He has built processes, built team, built a value proposition, and has now is now reaping the rewards of having two recurring revenue business models. And we talk about the impact that recurring revenue has had on his business and his life. So I hope you can stay with us. This is a great episode. Please, let's go and meet Suraj Soda. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favour to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. I am super chuffed, if that's a word, this week to have all the way from the UK joining me on the show, our feature guest, Suraj Soda. Hey Suraj, how are you my friend? Hey Troy, I'm good. It's so good to be here. Oh, dude, thank, thank you, thank so you much for, for joining me. us on the show. And I just need to give a public shout out here. This is the third time we've tried to do this podcast, and you've been super <laughs> patient uh, and uh, and very understanding. So thank you very much. Uh, but I'm I'm really glad we got to do this in the end. Now, for those that have no idea who you are or what you do, who is Suraj Soda? What do you do? And why would we be talking on this podcast? Sure. Well, uh, Troy, yeah, absolutely. Third time, lucky, and 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 I'm really excited to to share this platform with you. Uh, so, like I said, my name is Suraj. I live in London, in England, and I am uh, the typical ex corporate bod to entrepreneurship uh, story. That, that's my story. Um, I grew up uh, very much in a culture and an environment where 
going to school, university, and getting a job was the norm. And that's not a new story by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but that was very much my my life. Uh, so I went to, to university, I studied law at university, ended up going down that very typical corporate route. So it, it, it was as mm. typical as you can imagine, right? Um, and in my culture, in my background, you either become a lawyer, a doctor, a dentist, you know, or a pharmacist, <laughs> or, or something in the medical world. Um, because that's that's what yeah. success means, and uh, law is is one of those prestigious careers, or the legal career is one of those prestigious uh, uh, places that gives you status. And uh, so I ended up going down that route. Of course, hated my job because mm. it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I was good at it, but I didn't love it. And a couple of years in, was able to uh, to cut a long story short, follow my passion, follow my. My, my hobby as a teenager of building websites and I used to dabble in WordPress and I used to be that kid buying domain names <laughs> with my mom's credit card when I was 16 years old uh, instead of doing my homework. And uh, that's where my, my love for the internet started and I used to build these really basic affiliate websites at 15, 16 uh, years old and um, start making some money on them. And I remember getting checks in the mail from these American companies uh, and they look, the checks look very flimsy compared to our checks here in the UK. And I remember looking at it thinking, what is this junk mail? It looks like a scam. Surely no one's just sending me money in the mail. This looks like something to, I'm going to get ripped off at. So I used to just throw these checks in the bin. And um, that's how I learned about, um, you know, well, that that eventually was how I learned wow. how to make money online. Realized, hang on, so all of those things that I threw away was real money uh, as a 15 or 16 year old. Because you think, well, who's sending a 15 year old mail, right? And um, so that that was my my background. Um, I, I worked in law for a couple of years. Ended up then uh, dabbling in WordPress and the internet, and and that's where it grew from. And and I now run a WordPress maintenance agency and a design mm. agency now, here in the UK. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here because uh, you, but between <laughs> you know between uh, messing about with WordPress, learning how to build affiliate websites, and making some money, now to running two um, uh, recurring revenue business models, Design Hero and WP Maintain. What happened in between? There was a period of time where you're building websites for clients and doing the traditional kind of consulting gig, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, so, so WP Maintain um, was a byproduct. Mm. That whole business became a byproduct, was created out of a byproduct of what problems I was having in mm. the web design world. Um, so like a lot of web designers, you know, I was I was building and designing and developing these beautiful functional websites for my clients, whether it was a brochure site or an e-commerce site or a landing page or whatever it might be. And I started getting really good at it, um, which inevitably meant I get I got more referrals. I started getting more clients. And then six months later, the inevitable started happening. Those clients I had serviced six months ago came back to me and said, oh, hey, Suraj, do you remember me? I said, sure. What's up? you want another website? And they said, no, my phone number's changed, but I don't know how to change it on my footer widget. I'm like, okay, that's, that's weird. Sure, send me your logins. I'll, I'll update that for you. Of course, yeah. buddy, I'll do that for you. Then the following day, somebody else would say, oh, my designers designed me a really cool new logo, but the old ones on my website, can you just change my logo for me? I'm like, who are you? And they said, oh, you did my, my website about a year ago. I was like, oh, yes, of course, I remember now. And then I'd say, well, mm. how, how do I charge for that? Do you know what? It's going to take mm. me all of three minutes. Let Just yep. send it to me. I'll get it done for you. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Now, you multiply that mm -hmm. by 300 customers, 
and all of a sudden I'm doing more logo changes or phone number changes or take this person off my team page or whatever um, than actual <laughs> website work and yeah, not yeah. charging for any of it and um, allocating massive chunks of my week and then eventually my month to managing these updates six, seven, eight months later mm. once we've launched a website. And um, I, I, I just thought, well, this is wrong. This cannot be right. And surely this is not how web designers run their business. And, and actually it is. A lot of mm. them run their business like that because they don't offer a structured aftercare yeah. plan. And um, so I said to one client and I said, hey, this is getting ridiculous. Um, I need to charge you something for, the, for all these edits and adding a blog post here and there. So um, the, the, what, what I thought was a novel idea, and then I learned about this whole world of recurring revenue and subscription plans that actually I wasn't that clever. I didn't completely think of it myself, but I, I, I solved that problem with one client and said, hey, how about you just pay me a fixed fee every month and all of these updates that you need doing, all these blogs you want to publish, all these new things you want to add, add and remove from your website, I'll do them for you on a you know, on a reasonable use basis. And they said, sure, that, that's reasonable. And they were really understanding. They said, that's fair. We value your time and we appreciate you're doing all this for free. Um, and that's how I got my first recurring revenue client, recurring monthly revenue clients. And I then went out to all the clients who then kept coming back to me and saying, can you do this? Can you do that? And I said, sure. But this is the last time I'm doing this. Going forward, I'm having a set fee and that one client ended up growing wow. into five. So he, here's the thing, right? I'm having this. Co yeah. I have this conversation on a daily basis with people in WP Elevation and in our Maverick yes. Club Mastermind. How do you get existing clients? We've written blog posts about this. We've run workshops on it. We, you know, we've had this conversation a lot. But I'm curious how you went about getting those existing clients who expected you to do it for nothing. How did you migrate them to yes. a recurring revenue plan? Because the truth is, nobody wants another bloody subscription on their credit card every month, right? Like we've all, you know, everyone's got too many subscriptions. No, no. How did you migrate them and how did you deal with the pushback? And I'm, I'm going to have a guess that you probably lost some clients along the way, which is probably a good thing, right? Because they might not have been a good fit. How did you manage yes, that process? Yes. And even like mentally, how did you deal with um, the, the resistance or the pushback from your clients? Um, so there were, yeah, like you said, some some clients really weren't happy that all of a sudden I wanted to charge them for doing work, and um, th there was that resistance. I think for the for the vast majority of them, and I was very lucky, the vast majority of my clients actually understood the value and appreciated and respected the value of having an expert on hand. And so the way I framed it up, it wasn't, hey guys, I've found. A brilliant way that I can make more money from you. Um, I know that's really a really crass way of uh, saying it, a really crude way of, of coming across. And I, I, I don't imagine any web designer or anyone in the subscription model goes to their clients and say, hey, I've found a great way that I can make more money. The, the frame of it was very much, hey, you need this um, support on an ongoing basis. And just like your, some of your other subscriptions where uh, they are for more uh, supportive uh, services in your business or in your life, I think that I can offer you massive value with a small, small monthly fee and give you all of that peace of mind that you're actually looking for and that I'm getting anyway. And because I have a great relationship with my clients, or I had a, at the time there weren't 500 to mm -hmm. migrate, there was a handful, right? Um, I had a great relationship with these, these folks and it was very much about having that conversation and saying to them, look, this is unsustainable for me as a small mm -hmm. business owner, as, a, as a, almost mm -hmm. a one-man band at the time. 
Um, and I think uh, this is reasonable and fair. What do you think? And a couple of them said, yeah, I don't think we're going to have that much going forward. And I said, that's cool. If you find yourself with you know more tasks that you need doing, that you don't have the inclination or the skills to do, and you don't want to go and find a freelancer every single time, mm-hmm. by all means, come back to me. So I think one of the ways that, that I, I made it so smooth was it wasn't a forced transition. You take it or leave it. Um, I didn't say you have to go on this subscription plan now. It was very much like it's there if you want it. Um, very low pressure. Very sort of um, you know leave, leave the back door open if they want to exit. There was I didn't tie people into contracts. I didn't make it difficult for them to leave. Yes, I made the business sticky in the sense that um, I would want people to stay for as long as possible, but I never forced people to stay. So I think some of those elements were, were really important to to my clients that. They didn't feel locked in. Um, they wanted the option to leave and to cancel if they if they didn't like it anymore, if they didn't need it anymore. And the irony of it is, mm. no one really cancelled, um, and there wasn't actually that much resistance. Uh, so, so it, it and was. And if those clients who didn't process. want to pay the subscription, if they came back in three months' time and said, "All right, we need some, you know, things added to the footer widget again," were you charging like economically? Was it better for them to be on a subscription plan? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And from a from a commercial point of view, I I made sure that I was um, my my one off fixing charges essentially were a little yeah. bit of a decoy <laughs> in that sense. And uh, you know it would it would it, for the same price you could have three yeah, months yeah, yeah. maintenance essentially. So it was wildly yeah. out of proportion, but actually it made people realise that the real value of of this mm. is in the long game in the long term yeah. uh, option. And if they were to go and find a freelancer on, on one of the, the freelancing websites, it would cost them the same amount of money. But actually, more importantly, I think, would take mm. them three times longer yeah. to get the job done because they'd need to find someone and maybe yeah. they'd get it wrong the first time yeah. and, and go back and forth. Plus, I had the added benefit of knowing their business, knowing their website mm. because we'd built it already. A uh, couple of questions. How, how did, how, what, what impact did recurring revenue have on your life? Oh my God, where, where do I start, Troy? Like so much peace of mind, so much um, more certainty mm. in business and in, in life as well. I knew how much I could take out of the business every mm. month to, mm. to pay myself properly. Um, I knew what the business could do every month in terms of reinvesting in more teams, better software, better tools to manage uh, this new style of business. Uh, that I was morphing myself into, going from those one-off projects into a recurring model, what I needed to do to automate that. And, and give, it gave me the finances and that, that freedom to go and learn about these things. As a one-off project entrepreneur, I had to move on to the next project straight away to not leave any gaps in, in my income. Whereas with this, I knew that if I had a week on developing the business and working on the business, the following week, I wouldn't need to scramble for a new client because I knew that the, the recurring would, would be coming in mm-hmm. the following week, for example. Um, it gave me so much more maturity in business as well because, you know, love it or hate it, we need the money to to grow a business and to reinvest in the business and ourselves. And that allowed me that freedom, uh, which mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful for. Um, it also gave me um, a, a whole new... USP because when I started doing this, there no, mo- a lot of web designers weren't mm. offering this at all, and actually it allowed me to reach out to other web designers who 
literally a month before were mm-hmm. my competitors and say, hey, I've got a service now that mm-hmm. can actually make you look better. It can make the client happier. Um, let's work together on this rather than trying to compete mm-hmm. against each other for, you know, who can make the best WordPress theme. So um, it, it changed the game entirely financially and uh, from an understanding mm-hmm. of business. So you now provide uh, white label services through other agencies, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And that was actually one of the, the fastest ways I, I grew the business to, mm-hmm. to what I wanted it to be, uh, rather than going out and finding one-off clients. Because after I ran out of my pool yeah. of existing yeah. clients, um, um, before the website started ranking and before we got any real attention online, I thought there must be other web designers who are also doing a bunch of work every week for free <laughs> because they don't know how to um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. offer this as a service. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're now we're talking a year or so in, I found WP Elevation, I joined, and I got all the, the structure behind how to run this as a real business. Um, and I started reaching out to other agencies, other freelancers, and said, hey, I can help you. Send your, your mm. beautiful websites to me uh, after you've done them, either as a, mm. as a white label service yeah, or yeah, yeah. just refer the client to yeah. me and I will be eternally grateful um, because they, they, they didn't want to end up being yeah. that middleman project yeah. manager between me and the client. Um, and actually, there was very little resistance to that. A lot of the web designers and developers I work with said, you know what, I love it because That's right. I have no intention of That's right. doing the aftercare, which is, which is great. And I, I then ended up being... So solely the aftercare guy rather than setting these things up. So now I think 90% of the websites that mm. we actually maintain are inherited rather than we've wow, actually that's uh, that rather really than interesting. designed and um, So fast forward yeah. now, and I think it, it, it's, a, it's a mindset thing too. You either want to you either want to have a transactional relationship with the client where you charge them for a website, you build the website, you hand it over and then you say adios, or you want to have an ongoing relationship with the yes. client um, and have that recurring revenue, which exactly. is... Uh, which is great, causes a whole bunch of headaches as a business owner that you have to solve, which we can talk about, but um, it, it does get you off that feast and famine treadmill because you've got that that um, that stability and that consistency coming in. Uh, fast forward now, do you do any project work or, or is it just recurring maintenance work on existing websites? Like, do you still build websites for clients? We, oh, wow. we do, yes, absolutely. So so what happened was went from go, I went from only building websites and only doing project work to mm. only recurring as I built that, that side of the business up. Um, and then now, now we have capacity, we've got a good team of developers, and actually we've got the, the demand for it, enough clients and enough people keep asking, can you do this mm. new, new project for me? Um, we, right. we, we do do that as well. Uh, there was a, but there was a long period of time yeah. in the middle where it was do one yeah. thing and yeah. do it really, really so, yeah. well. Um, yeah. But as a business has grown, yeah, as a business has grown has developed and developed, we now do it. But the only people that we do project work for and one-off development tasks for is our right. existing pool of clients. So we don't have a web design website yeah, yeah. or a web design page on the website. It's just purely for existing clients. And there's enough of them, there's about four or 500 clients we work with now, where there's a where because of that relationship or the ongoing relationship that you touched on a second ago, we become that first port of call for a lot of things that we can do but don't do. Uh, so a lot of them come to us for SEO work, mm. which we absolutely don't do. Come to us for social media work, which we absolutely don't do. So now we now work with other agencies mm. who can help with that. But with the development stuff, especially if there's a, uh, a mm. if there's capacity on the team, we're more than happy to take on a one-off project. 
for existing clients because actually that just from a commercial mm. point of view it makes sense and it furthers and deepens that relationship we have mm. with, with the obvious that question i hear my listeners asking right now is well what if i've built a website for a client i refer them over to you for maintenance and then they come back to you three months later and say hey suraj we want to add woocommerce to our website do you funnel that work back to the original developer yeah. It depends on what that original relationship right. is with that developer. Sometimes uh, if it's a completely mm. white-labeled um, mm. uh, setup, that client would never right. come to us in the first place for that Got because it. they don't know we exist, right? Um, They're they always dealing with their, their main developer, yeah. their main point of contact. Um, if, on the other hand, they come to us and the, the, the developer says, here's the client, all yours, mm. I'm moving on to the next project, don't <laughs> bug me with this guy anymore, We'll take it on and, um, you know, we, we'll say, okay, great. So, yeah. and there'll be that agreement where if there is any follow-up work, um, the client is always free to come to us or go, go back to the original developer. Now, uh, just to, to touch on that, where we have inherited the website from a developer or a designer or another agency, I, I would say, yeah, maybe about eight, nine times out of ten, it's because their relationship with that other original developer or yeah. designer has broken yeah, yeah. down for whatever reason. Um, so there is yeah. no one to go back to. So we, we end up becoming yeah. that first port of call. But where there's a partnership sort of relationship with another agency or developer, I, you know, I don't want to be that guy and say, well, he's my client now, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. take all the, all the business. It's always more collaborative in nature. And if it's, if it's a project that is over our heads and it's not going to um, – uh, is going to take up more time or more capacity than I'm comfortable with, I will always say, hey, look, if you still have a good relationship mm. with your old developer, we're more than happy mm. to work with them, set up, set them up on our platform so they can work for you as well. Mm. And that way everyone wins. The client gets what they ultimately want. We get to focus on what we're really good at. And the old developer picks up a Got bit it. of follow-up work as well. So for that uh, reason, it's, yeah, it's a win-win-win all uh, around. Quick sidebar before we talk about Design Hero. How do you manage the tasks internally? Because I'm going to guess that part of your team, if not all of them, are remote. Um, how do you manage like what needs to be yes. done when? What tool do you use to manage that? Uh, so we actually use Freshdesk uh, as our um, help desk at the moment. We moved mm-hmm. from something called Teamwork Desk mm-hmm. over to Freshdesk uh, recently. And um, you say remote, most of our team are remote, but up until September, October last year, we had an office here in the UK um, with, with a lot of our content management team here. We ha- we, uh, I made a big deal of hiring a lot of apprentices, a lot of, a lot of people coming out of school, not quite knowing where they want to go in life, uh, because that's the opportunity that I didn't have when I was uh, you know, figuring out life yeah, at yeah. 17, 18 years old. So we take on a lot of apprentices from local colleges, huh. local universities, uh, to get them into the online and the web game. And yes, from a business point of view, Troy, it costs four or five times the amount of farming the work off to the yeah. Philippines or to Asia yeah. or to, to South America. Uh, but actually, it, it for me, it's giving back to the local yeah. community. We're creating jobs. Uh, don't get me wrong. We do have a development team mm-hmm. who, who are based offshore uh, in Asia. Um, but one of our USPs is that the clients absolutely loved was the fact that if they wanted to, yeah. they could come down to our office. And we built a very cool office. You know, it was inspired by the yeah. Googles and the Facebooks. Yeah. We had ping pong tables and I remember seeing the it in the video. I remember seeing it in the videos the that fun. you made, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a fun office and, and we had some some cool cool stuff going on. So clients loved the fact that they could come to us 
and we didn't turn them away. Whereas, you know, if you're spending 50 pounds a month on a subscription somewhere, you're buying that typically online. You can't go to That's the right. Netflix office to have a sit down with their sales team to find out if, you know, yeah. for, for 10 bucks a month, yeah. is this the right service for me? They'll say, well, take it or leave it yeah, online yeah. Or, or don't bother. Whereas we had that. And yeah, it was a bit of a, an extra cost to the business. It took time, but it built mm. relationships and much more value for, for the clients uh, mm. that they could visit us. Uh, but not just visit us, because then we started getting clients from all over the UK. What's the insight happening was, well, can I phone through my support tickets? And and we kind of had to say, well, not really, because we need it recorded. We need to understand mm. what, what you need on, on paper or on an email. But sure, phone us if you fancy a chat. Phone us if you can't, if you don't know how to mm. get something across on an email, because a lot of our clients are not techies. They're not mm. web type of people. They are mm. bricks and mortar business owners. Mm. They're more traditional business owners. They don't know what the difference is between, is between a, a, a blog page, post yeah, and a, a new page, or right, what's a widget like? What's a footer? What's a and you know and we take it for granted that mm. we know the difference between a footer and a sidebar and a header and all this sort of stuff. And a lot of them said, "Well, I can't even. I don't know how to get that across to you uh, in your support tickets. So can I phone wow. you?" And we said, mm, "It's not. It's not scalable. It's not ideal." But sure, if that helps you solve your problem, sure. Here's our UK office phone number, business hours only. Phone us up, and nine times out of ten, it was always like a two-minute yeah. call. Hey, I'm this is Troy from you know so and so company. Um, I don't know how to say this on an email, but I want the the blue <laughs> bit to be yellow, or I want the I, I want the you know I, I want the the, the, this bit of my logo to show up in the in the bar in the browser. Yeah. What's that called? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a favicon. Send us your logo, or yeah. fine, I've got it. One of us will just quickly make a, a manual ticket for you, and we'll get it done. And that extra value, which none of our competitors offered, whether yeah. in the UK or a lot of our competitors in the US, this mm. just didn't have that option. That stood us out, and, and that's how 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 I built these relationships, mm. relationships with, um, with clients. Fast forward now to a new business that you've launched, Design Hero, which is basically a yes. um, way I understand it. It's a recurring revenue business model from the customer's point of view. It's a flat fee. I pay yes. every month, and, and I basically get an all-you-can-eat design buffet, so I can get all my design work done. It's cheaper than me hiring a designer. Yes, um, it's. It's, it's yes. probably quicker and more efficient than me trying to fish around on a freelancer marketplace trying to find my own freelance designer because who knows what I'm going to get. Um, tell me, exactly. This is I've tried several of these services in the past. Design, we were talking about this yes. um, pre-show. Design is subjective, right? Whereas backing up a website is pretty objective. Like you've either backed that up or you haven't, right? Whereas design is, yes. you know, yeah. Can you design me some social media graphics for this campaign that we're pushing out? Well, I mean, th you know, there's yep. how do you deal with yeah? How do you deal with a managing yeah. client expectations? How do you deal with onboarding clients? How do you deal with clients who don't have a branding style guide? Who you know? How, how do you? I'm really yes. curious about how you manage those relationships and and what some of those problems are that you're solving because I think it's a huge problem that needs to be solved and I'm not sure yes. that I've seen anyone really solve it yet. Sure. So, um, yeah, there, there, there are this new breed of design subscriptions that are popping up all over the place. Uh, I actually spent yesterday, or two days ago, in London here, a whole day with Russ Perry, uh, who, who started Design Pickle, uh, probably one of the biggest mm. uh, all-you-can-eat design buffets mm. in, in the world at the moment. And um, the way that a lot of us are doing it in that industry is 
making sure we nail the brief from the clients up front. Mm. So the magic is in the brief. Um, if a client sends us on the on as part of the onboarding process, we very much teach the client how to send us their instructions. And the easiest way of doing that to to to, to, to standardize it is to have a mm. design request form. So we have a request form which covers pretty much all the bases that we as designers will need, or my designers will need to know in order to get something started. Now, we say to the clients up front as part of the onboarding process, these are the, you know, the, the, the six, seven things we need on every design request. Um, once we have their branding and their uh, any style guides or any specific colors on file, which the target audience we have for are for Design Hero, it's for existing brands. Mm. It's not for someone who's got no logo, who's got mm. no, no brand guidelines or anything like that. Um, they send them to us, we keep those on file, and it's about that constant education to the customer very early on in that initial discovery call, in the, the automated on, onboarding process, the PDFs we send them, the, the, the videos that I send them on how to submit a design request, that the mm. magic is in the brief. And the more detail you give us, the better we can turn what you're imagining in your head into something on paper. Well, yeah, not yeah, paper, yeah. but Photoshop, right? Um, so that, that, that's the, um, the, the education that we give the clients very, very early on and manage their expectations to say, hey, look, if in, a, in the nicest possible and the most polite way, that if you say to us, hey, Siraj, design me a flyer with my logo and a nice picture and make some, add some nice colors and some, some nice icons, we'll, we'll do that based on what we think is nice. Um, it may not mm. be what you think is nice. So be as specific mm. as you can. Uh, we, we say, you know, specific is terrific. If you say to us, make it, choose a nice icon, the, the form won't let you move forward until you've given us a link to something you've already liked or you've, mm. you've taken inspiration from or uh, to something that mm. we can draw inspiration from. Uh, so it's very much like in web design as well. Uh, when someone comes to us for a website, Without knowing exactly what they want, it was very hard for us to deliver what they actually wanted and needed. Um, so, so I'll go back to that phrase: the, the the magic is in the brief, and we manage our expectations by showing them and telling them up front, we are not going to be the ones that come up with yeah. the idea from scratch. You need to come to us with some sort of example or some sort mm -hmm. of a, a detailed brief, and it doesn't have to be you know a, a five-page brief for mm -hmm. a social media quote, but give us the the gist of it and then we'll come back to you with three or four examples and we may get them wrong but we may get them right and it all depends on on how constructive mm. your feedback is mm. after that first round of 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 draft designs um but again it's about educating them and they they will learn it and what we found is the first couple of design requests from from clients are are, are mm. not very great to be honest with you but then it's our job to educate them and say Here's how to make this better next time or a better experience and get a better output design next time by doing this, this, and this. And actually, give us some links. And if you like it, if you like blue, what kind of blue do you like? Is it sky blue or is it navy blue? And sometimes a little bit more detail actually gets the, gets the, the design, the first draft, a lot further down the line than just saying mm. Abstract things. So uh, for us, it's about educating the clients on how to give us their instructions. Um, and luckily, uh, the, the positioning that we have for Design Hero is our clients kind of know what they want, pretty much mm. what they want upfront already. It's not a case of, well, this is a nice little subscri extra subscription that's going out my account. Well, I wonder what I can design this month. It's very much 
no, I know I need to design 10 quotes for my Instagram this month. I need to design a brochure for an event and an invitation to send out to clients for a seminar that I'm running in the local area. It's not a case of us saying, you know, here's some ideas. And we, mm. we do do that, of course. Um, but our clients generally know what they want. And, and if they so don't, is it an, it's is it a, brief. Is the model an a la carte menu where I've got a bunch of products I can choose from a menu uh, and that's what I'm entitled to this month? Or is it a buffet where I can just throw you any design project I need? Yeah, so it's anything, anything you need designed um, with the caveat that nothing sort of animated or, or on video or we can't design you a website, right? Um, uh, but we can go as far as saying, you send us your sketch, your doodle, or a link to another website that you like to look off, and we can create you a basic wireframe of that by overlaying your logo and, and some, some, some stock images on that just to give you, to help you and your developer along mm. uh, that process a little bit. But in terms of designing a, a full you know, yeah. high-fidelity website, the, that's where we wouldn't be able to do it. So the type of stuff that we can design are social media graphics, um, uh, image manipulation, image editing, um, uh, uh, marketing materials for offline and for, for print, uh, for, sorry, for online mm-hmm. and for offline print as well. Um, so we've just done some work for a local law firm who are running a seminar. They wanted to print mm-hmm. some invitations and some some agendas for, mm-hmm. for the actual event, some brochures. Um, so it can pretty much be anything that you want um, as long as it's designed uh, and it's not a, you know, a, a project that, that is like sure. a, a brand new website or is a video. But typically speaking, yeah, we, 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 we can design anything. And the way that we control the, the workflow and the, the, the technical side of it from, from internally, from a business point of view, is uh, we tell clients that they can submit as many designs as they, as they need to, uh, but yeah. we'd only work on one at a time. And that keeps the, keeps the flow a bit steady. And, and we work on a queue basis. So if you submitted five designs today um, and somebody else is a, uh, uh, they will just fall into the queue on sure. a first-come, first-served um, basis. How do you recruit designers? How do you, what's your recruitment yeah. process for finding good designers? Because that's also very subjective, right? It really is. It really is. Um, so again, I'm very big on hiring local, hiring uh, young people who are hungry, hungry to, to build something, hungry mm-hmm. to get involved in something fun, um, and also tap into that new way of working, that new culture of working remotely and you know the, that nomadic lifestyle that a lot of young people are, are aspiring to, to live because of what they see on on social media. Um, so I have a big commitment to hiring as many local young designers as possible who are fresh out of university who need a bit of a break. Uh, hiring apprentices, uh, but we also do have a a more experienced, established team of designers uh, who are offshore and currently my design team wow. are in the Philippines, and um, that's where we have a a, a more core design team uh, but i still have that commitment to have some local people here creating actual jobs uh, mm. for my local community um and that 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 takes money out of the business sure but there's a, a bigger purpose i think to, to to doing a lot of what we do especially mm. i've been in business for 11 years now so very much in that place of how can i help other people grow and how can i give back and it's not just about well let's maybe cut costs right down mm. to make as much money as i can because I've, I've, I've yeah. been through that cycle um, And already. across the two businesses, WP Maintain and Design Hero, what's keeping you awake at night these days? Yeah. Uh, what keeps me awake these night, at night these days is um, the, uh, the something that you touched on already is 
especially not so much with WP Maintain, but with design stuff is, and maybe this is a bit of imposter syndrome because I'm a techie at heart. I'm not a designer. Mm. I'm not a natural designer. Um, so very much that imposter syndrome of, I wonder if the client will like the designs that we've done for them. And I wonder if we've missed the mark on that last one that we sent out yesterday. Or um, I wonder if this is, you know, if, 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 if enough people will actually want to use this service. And a lot of this is just mm. random insecurities of mm. a new startup. But um, that's, those are the kind of things that I, I'm currently battling with internally myself. Mm but in a good way. And I, I feel good about these, these new challenges because whilst I've, I've overcome the challenges with WP Maintain, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm on day yeah. one again with Design Hero and, and, and unlearning and relearning a whole bunch of things that I, uh, I did with WP Maintain and, and, and trying to do them better and run a much more efficient awesome. business. This Super time. exciting stuff and probably a, a little bit scary uh, starting something new, but uh, but good on you for stretching yeah. yourself and challenging yourself. Uh, where can people reach out and, and keep in touch with what you're doing, Siraj? What's the best place for people to find you online? So the best place, if they wanted to find out more about the service, you've got designhero.uk, you've got wpmaintain.co.uk. Uh, but the best place for me, uh, the reason I do these things is to connect with other people on a personal level and to learn from other people as well and, and share value. Um, I'm loving life on Instagram right now and LinkedIn. So if you you know type my name in LinkedIn, you, you'll you'll find me. There's not many Suraj Sodas in the world, so you'll you'll find me. Um, but also on Instagram, it's at Suraj Soda, and that's where I share not just about business and stuff like that, but I do a whole bunch of other other fun stuff uh, that I love talking about. And I'd love to connect with with anyone on it on Instagram. Of course, there's Facebook and Twitter as well. So uh, you can find me on the usual platforms, usual channels. Um, where you won't find me talking only about WordPress, or only about design. I talk about other things that I do, like my Spartan races and and, and health and fitness that I'm really into. So uh, let's connect, let's engage. I'm sure there's something awesome. Suraj Shoda is spelled S U R A J S O D H A. Yes, perfect. That's uh, right. Instagram, yes. LinkedIn, and all yes. the usual places, and of course, designhero.uk, one of those fancy new UK domains without the .co. So it's designhero.uk and wpmaintain.co.uk. Uh, check it out. Hey, Siraj, it's been fabulous having you on the show. Thank you so much for third time lucky. I'm glad we finally got to do this, and uh, all the best for the future. And please keep in touch. Troy, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I've been following you for many years. Uh, I, was a, I was a customer of yours in WP Elevation, like we said. Uh, so it's, it's the pleasure awesome. is thank all you. mine. Thank you so all much. All right, folks, there you go. There's another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. Please get on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review in the uh, the podcast store over there. You'll find that at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. And you can also connect with us on YouTube and Facebook, which is where we spend most of our time. And I've just noticed something. At the end of an episode here, that light comes on. Right there. Why does that happen, Max? I'm going to go and talk to Max about that after. The oh, that's what it is. It's the logo that disappears and reveals the light. There you go. You'll have to watch the video to know what I'm talking about, which you'll be able to see at the show notes at wpelevation.com. And that's also where we're going to leave all the links related to this episode. So I look forward to speaking with you again next week on the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. <laughs>